You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the Jets Nation Podcast, we're going to take a look at the NHL All-Star Game and ways to improve it. We are also going to talk about the disaster in Edmonton and the firing of Peter Shirelli and how maybe it can help the Winnipeg Jets. Stay tuned for all of that and more on today's show. So segment number one, it's kind of a quiet time of year. The Jets have been off since Saturday. Uh, and so I guess we could recap those games. Uh, a loss to Dallas, the one right before the break. Uh, not super exciting. Not really one you really want to talk about and really dig into. And it's been a couple days since we've even been able to watch Jets hockey. Uh, so I feel we're going to be getting kind of off topic a little bit today. Looking at the All-Star game, uh, looking at the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, first off, the All-Star game. It's kind of an interesting animal because everybody's got a different opinion on the All-Star game. Uh, Not a lot of people enjoy it, kind of think it's tacky, just think it could be done with. You have some suggestions to make it better. Yeah, so I came up with three ways that the NHL can improve the All-Star game uh, because, let's face it, there are a lot of issues with the NHL All-Star game the way it is. They tried reviving it a few years ago uh, with the three-on-three play. I think that was nice. Uh, But there are a few other things I think the, the NHL could definitely do to help spice things up a little bit. So, number one, I think you need to get other types of celebrities involved. Mm, mm-hmm. If you remember back to a couple years ago, I think in 2017, they had the celebrity game. It was a bunch of legends, um, different players. If you remember that screen cap of Justin Bieber getting plastered into the boards Best by Chris Best moment Bronner, of the event. Arguably one of my favorite pictures of all time. It just absolutely hilarious. But having those celebrities, a guy like Justin Bieber, love him or hate him, he's a global phenomenon, playing in that game was fantastic. Uh, against some NHL legends, bring that back. Plus, it expands the exposure of the league. That is a great idea, whether you make the All-Star game a mixture of NHL players and celebrities, or is that just an extra part of the weekend? Well, I look at it maybe like the NBA All-Star weekend. They have an entire game dedicated just to celebrities. Uh, It's always a ton of fun to watch. I know Milos Raonic, the tennis player, uh, was in there. Actually threw out a dunk in the celebrity All-Star game for the NBA. Well, he's six foot five, um, but there's been, uh, it was always a mixture of men and women, different celebrities. Uh, They had rappers, singers, actors. Other athletes. Other athletes, yeah. um, People from all walks of life, different ages coming together to play this NBA All-Star game. I thought that was a really unique blend. They have it pretty much every single year. I would love to see the NHL Get doing them all that mic'd sort of thing. Up. I think, it, yeah, it, it would be, be hilarious. Blast. Yeah, TV personalities. You could have actors, actresses. Even if you can't skate that great, it'd just be a blast to be out there having a good time, and it'll get people watching, get people um, having some fun out there during the All-Star weekend Make it as well. an outdoor game. There's so many different things you could do with that. I think that's a great idea to add to the weekend. And the last thing to kind of put along with that, I don't know if you saw this a couple weeks ago. I thought you had ago. three ideas. Was that one idea yeah, or two is, ideas? The whole celebrity thing oh, this is, is the number okay, one still, idea. Okay. Um, I think Snoop Dogg needs to be a part of this. Absolutely. I think this is a guarantee already. If you saw this that clip a few weeks ago of Snoop Dogg uh, doing some play-by-play announcing uh, during um, the NHL game, just an absolute blast having Snoop Dogg at the mic. Um, he doesn't really know what's going on, but he <laughs> he, he loves the atmosphere and, and what's happening. They should bring in Tony Romo, too. So they could definitely, well, Romo's a different beast, but... Um, he is a beast, and that's a whole other topic. Yeah, we could talk about the uh, Super Bowl as well, but I think a guy like that to do some play-by-play would be fantastic for the league, and it would get so many more people talking about it. It would just grow the game, I think, exponentially more than what the NHL is currently doing. With Celebrity the broadcasters game. during the All-Star game, definitely a plus. So that's number that's one. That's all still one idea, okay. Number one is just get way more celebrities involved. Okay, number two? 
Number two is make the guys actually care about the All-Star game. See, now that's the question. How do you do that? Because right now it's... And so my thoughts on the All-Star game is that you just kind of take it for what it is. It's a bunch of guys just going out, playing some pickup hockey, having some fun. The three-on-three format, I think, helps it because in three-on-three hockey, you can have more of a relaxed style. You get more kind of like odd man rushes. And it's more of that riverboat, pond hockey kind of fun atmosphere. And so I think that's a great way to do the All-Star game. I think if you wanted to get rid of the game altogether, I don't think it would hurt too many people's feelings. I think it's an honor still for guys to be named All-Stars. I think there is still some recognition being like, yeah, he was named to the All-Star game 10 times. I think there's still a little bit of weight there. Uh, It's a little bit tougher when you're having to take one representative per team. But again, it's still the, you are the guy from your team named an All-Star that year. So I think that that still needs to be there. But if you just want to do the skills competition on Friday night, do kind of a celebrity mixture game on the Saturday, do a mascots game, mix the mascots and the celebrities, whatever. I'm good with that. I don't need to see a mini tournament. But if you do want to make them care, how do you do that? Well, that's the question is, do they even need to care? And do they need to play a game like you mentioned? Well, maybe not. Um, As far as getting players to care, it's a tough thing to do because how do you do that, right? How do you incentivize players to try hard? And obviously you don't want guys throwing major body checks, shooting pucks. No, you do. uh, Shooting pucks into each other's knees and ankles and that sort of thing. You don't want those types of plays. See, the thing is now... There's the culture of, I don't want to try too hard to be that guy who's trying too hard at the All-Star game. Because we all know, in beer league hockey, you don't want to be that guy. The guy with the tinted visor who comes in, is taking slappers, and is just being a jerk on the ice because he's trying too hard when everybody's got to go to work the next day. It's kind of that same atmosphere. You don't want to be that guy at the All-Star game. It is, but on the other hand... When the games are close and are tightening up in the final few minutes, you can tell the guys have the extra gear and they all start trying a little bit harder because they're driven. They don't want to lose. No, these guys are competitive. Regardless of what it is, they don't want to lose. I'm Um, competitive. I would be getting, I'd be all over that. Just one or two ideas or thoughts from previous years. Um, Could they play for charity? The the winner getting um, a lump sum? The winning team's players are the only ones that make the playoffs. <laughs> Could you imagine? We're going to do an all-star game and only the team that wins, those teams from that division are the only ones that can win the Stanley Cup. Now there's some incentive. But think about baseball and, and home field advantage. In, yeah, I know the exactly. Game, no, right? That's a there, there good are some, example. There are some weird rules where it does have some actual weight in the season. No, I don't think you want to actually... I, I don't think you can do that. I, I know they've put some money on the line for charity, and, and the winning team gets to take that money for the charities of their choice. I don't know if that really actually made them play any harder. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, the last thing to kind of mention about making the guys care, you could have a, uh, a schoolyard pick like they did a few years ago with Phil Kessel being the last pick, winning the car, televise the event, that sort of thing. I thought that was a blast to see. I think if you did it with uh, the four captains of each division and then you pick your teams from there, I think it'd be a really fun atmosphere. Um, It's always fun seeing the guys ribbing each other and and that sort of thing. The biggest thing I think for the All-Star Weekend is just more of the interaction of the players with each other, seeing their personalities and how they interact when it's not in a competitive atmosphere and games just being played as a byproduct. Yeah, exactly. So the last thing I kind of want to point out that I would change about the All-Star bring game. Back so we John have the, Sc- bring we ha- back John Scott. Yeah, we could. Um, we have the celebrities. 
We have the potentially making the guys care about the game or just taking out the game. Uh, lastly, I want to see a little bit more of a break for the NHL to give the players who go to the All-Star game. Here's a thought, and because they already actually are, because there's the a bunch of teams are on their bye week heading in, and I think some teams are on their bye week coming out of the All-Star break, and so then that basically gives everybody no excuse saying So that, then why are guys not going? Well, exactly. I think that's what they're trying to eliminate already with these bye weeks. So it's just like, well, I need a little bit of a break. Well, you're getting a break either before or after it, so there's no excuse unless you're actually legitimately hurt. Right, and maybe that is the case for a guy like Ovechkin. Right. It it is possible. Yeah. But I think you want to have as many stars there as possible for the NHL. If Ovechkin's not there, that's a huge loss to the NHL. What happens if you do it... Uh, one of my coworkers suggested, if you do it sooner around the Christmas break. And so let's say you do it right before... People are busy around Christmas. So what happens if you do the All-Star break like a couple days before Christmas? You do the like the weekend before Christmas. You do the All-Star game. You have some fun. You have some festivities. And then a lot of teams can go on their break after. And then the World Juniors are during that time. And a lot of people are watching that. And there's other stuff going on. So give them an extra week off at Christmas. Yeah. You could definitely do that. My, exactly. One of my and thoughts. And then, then the All-Star Weekend kind of becomes like a holiday tradition. Where it's just like at Christmas, before Christmas, everybody gets together and watches the All-Star game. Because you have an idea who the All-Stars are by Christmas. You don't need to wait that right. extra month. No, I don't mind that idea at all, actually. Um, one of my other thoughts was, could you have it during playoffs? Similar to like a Pro Bowl in the NFL? Uh, having it near the end of the season? No, because then you don't get all of your best players even more so. I I understand that, but you don't get that in the NFL either. Right, which is weird. And I I never understood the Pro Bowl, why you're going to have an all-star game with like the best players. Without the best players. Without the best players. Yeah, just a thought. Could you have it during the playoffs? And you know, the Pro Bowl is even worse than the NHL because you really don't want to tackle anybody too hard in a meaningless game like that. Yeah, exactly. So I I personally don't really watch the Pro Bowl that often. I don't don't care. I heard this stat, was it the Pro Bowl has more viewers than the World Series? That's possible. Somebody, I pulled that out. We're going to have that answer for you by the time we get to the next segment. Is there anything else you wanted to add for the All-Star break? No, those are my three things for the All-Star weekend, how to improve it. Celebrities, to get the guys caring, um, and maybe give them some more time off or change it to Christmas. That's a great idea. I love that one. Any other thoughts uh, that you want us to maybe look at, or if you have any ideas on it, uh, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Jets and Podcast. We'll break down some of the highlights from the All-Star weekend, of course, next week. Just to kind of wrap up the last segment, I threw out a stat about the Pro Bowl and the World Series. Um, Just to kind of wrap that up, I think I misheard it. Uh, The viewership last year for the Pro Bowl was about 8 million people. The World Series was averaging just over 14 million per. But again, I don't know if you want to call that comparable or not. The NHL All-Star Game from a few years ago getting just over 2 million in case you're wanting to compare professional sports All-Star Games to the World Series. Kind of a random comparison. But anyways, we move on. We want to take a look now at the Edmonton Oilers. And this is the big topic that everybody's been talking about because it's kind of quieter right now heading into the All-Star break. Trade talks are going to ramp up a lot more after the break, I'm sure, getting closer to the deadline. But the Edmonton Oilers fired Peter Shirelli. A lot of my friends and I have been talking about this. Obviously, I think this is the right move. Do you think he got enough of a chance in Edmonton? I think he did. I think it was definitely his time to go. I know you're a big fan of continuity. Yeah, well, it definitely was the time. I think after the first bad trade, maybe not. After the second bad trade, maybe not. After the third bad trade, okay, maybe. After a couple bad signings, okay, yeah, probably. <laughs> the fact to that go. you just keep going and it's legitimate, 
proves that he needs to be gone. Right. So I, I'm a big fan, like you said, of continuity within organizations. I think having the same management from the top down, um, year in, year out, is, is huge for organizations. When you, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff being here from the beginning, his vision is now playing out with the Winnipeg Jets. If, but if the Winnipeg Jets change the roster... After they had, remember when they made the playoffs in 2014, 2015, they had a down season the next year. If they say we're firing Shovel Day off, we wanted to get younger on our team, but we expected better results, they fire Shovel Day off, then what? Would the Winnipeg Jets be in the position they are today? I don't think so. Somebody might be starting some knee jerk reactions, quick trades, just because of one down season. And so now, the Oilers put in Bob Nicholson kind of as the head. He hired Shirelli to kind of take care of the hockey side of things and be the GM. And they have some other guys in the front office. Do you think this is a whole front office problem or is this just, is this just Peter Shirelli? Well, it depends who you ask because there are some reports that Shirelli made some moves purely on his own. There, there are some reports that Shirelli made some of these moves with everybody else's um, interests in mind as well, that it was a group effort. So it depends on who you believe, what you think. I'm not going to get into the super specifics because there are guys who know more than me about the situation, but I think it's definitely possible that you need to do a total clean house from the top down and get all fresh faces in there. Because even if you do a uh, complete trust and you have a very clear vision, that doesn't mean it's going to work. Because I think that's kind of what they did. They put in Bob Nicholson. They put in Peter Shirelli. And this was kind of like, okay, here we go. The Edmonton Oilers are now going to start and we're going to build something here with this leadership group. But they made wrong decisions. Just because you have uh, people in place doesn't mean they make the right decisions. In Toronto, it seems to be working. Brendan Shanahan, he puts down his plan. He hires Kyle Dubas. He hires uh, Babcock. He kind of just puts everything in place. They draft. They develop. Everything seems to be going in the right direction. Same thing in Winnipeg. Kevin Sheveldayoff has his big, long-term master plan. They draft well. They bring in the right players. And it works. Because they're bringing in and making the you right decisions. You could argue it even starts at Mark Chipman. It's true, exactly. And I think in. it definitely does because we've seen some kind of out there owners, not a lot of out there owners having a lot of success. Specifically in the nation's capital here. Well, and that's kind of my where I was alluding to. And so now for Peter Shirelli, you just look at some of his moves and it definitely calls into question. I think there is kind of a combination here of bad luck. There's a bad luck factor in any trade. If you acquire a player and he breaks his leg, well, that's just bad luck. A lot of the players they brought in just didn't perform as well as they would have liked. And I think for a lot of these trades and a lot of these signings, they just overpaid. And that was a common theme. Let's take a look at some of these trades. Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Adam Larson's not a bad defenseman. He just has too many expectations because he is now valued as equivalent of Taylor Hall. And that's just not the case. And relating this to the Jets, I would say it's almost like a Tyler Myers coming in, winning the Calder Trophy in his first year. What are the expectations of Tyler Myers? Absolutely sky high. You have a six, seven defenseman winning the Calder Trophy, all this skill to burn, just an unreal player, right? Well, he's not that now. Not even close. When he had those expectations on him going through a, uh, going through a few rough seasons, it can weigh down on a player. Getting free of those expectations, playing on a third pair, not be having to be the guy anymore, I think did wonders for a guy like Tyler Myers. A and maybe is doing the opposite for a guy like Adam Larson. Well, and I'm not even saying Adam Larson is playing bad. He's just playing kind of what you would expect from Adam Larson, and that's not a Hart Trophy winner. We see Taylor Hall... He went off and exploded in New Jersey. 
He was having kind of a down year in Edmonton, but again, here's a high-end winger acquired for a middle-of-the-road defenseman. So obviously the Oilers overpaid. Yes. So the next example, uh, Griffin Reinhardt, uh, a first and second round pick being sent to the Islanders. I saw or I heard somebody posting about how uh, Peter Shirelli built a top end team, but just in New York, trading all these players to the Islanders. A first and second round pick, that first uh, round pick turned into Matt Barzell. And we know how much success he's had. Griffin Reinhardt barely has cracked the NHL. And actually, now, Barzell also being picked, I believe, two ahead of Kyle Connor as right. well in that same draft. So Connor could have also been available to the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, just think about Kyle Connor playing with Connor McDavid. And so now there's another example of overpayment. Edmonton needed defense. They went out and got the wrong guy. Or if, even if they wanted Griffin Reinhardt in the system, a first and a second is too much of an overpayment. But you could argue it was bad luck as well. A guy just didn't pan out. Yeah, he was a fourth overall pick. He didn't pan out. And so now is this them not making these? And this is my favorite one. Jordan Eberle, Eberle for Ryan Strome, and then Ryan Strome for Ryan Spooner, Ryan Spooner down to waivers. So you literally had Jordan Eberle, a perennial 20-goal man at least. He had 20 goals which and with a career-low 9.6 shooting percentage in the 2016-17 season. So he has a little bit of a down year with a poor shooting percentage, so you would think it would bounce back up. You trade him for Ryan Strom kind of to clear cap space in a sense. Ryan Strom didn't really pan out. You trade him for Spooner, who really doesn't pan out. And now he's down in the minors with a little bit of a cap hit, wasting away. What? You gave That's like the Jets taking Ehlers, who's at about $6 million, similar cap hit, kind of a similar winger. Kind of a, Would you say kind of similar? Yeah, it wouldn't at, be. Kind of at the time. Yeah, not outrageous. You tr- that's like saying we're taking... Nick Ehlers, and in two years, we're going to have absolutely nothing to show for it. Yeah. So uh, you could argue there is some bad luck. There has to be bad Plus, luck in that. Plus, signing Milan Lucic? That's not bad luck. Everybody at the time of that signing said this is a bad no, deal. No, exactly. And, and every single one of these trades, the thing that gets me is every single one of these deals, there was a majority of people saying this is a bad deal. So it's not a surprise. No. And so you so- could argue that it's bad luck, but it's not. Because they're screwing up repeatedly. And... And it's one thing when a lot of fans say, oh, that's a fair trade, or oh, that makes sense. But when majority of the popular opinion is that you made the wrong decision, and this happens over and over, and then the fans prove to be right, and you prove to be wrong, it would probably almost work better to have these trades voted on by a poll online. Can yes. you imagine? So Peter Shirelli should just have a website, just a poll, should I trade Eberly? Essentially, like, you know fantasy hockey when you can veto a trade or fantasy football? Yes. Fans should have that option. Only in Edmonton, though. Because Only every Edmonton, other fan base is fine. Uh, but in Edmonton, they should have a the... veto the trade option as fans? It's an interesting idea. Do you think the fans would get it right? I don't know. But, like... Oh. They, they for sure would have vetoed Hall for Larson. Guaranteed. Absolutely. The, the Everly but... one at the time was, well, he is costing a lot of money, but y- you never know, right? It's one of those things. That would be really interesting. I'd kind of like to see it just kind of on a trial basis, uh, just what the votes would be for a little while. Maybe we should do that with some of the next Jets trades. Uh, Just post up, should the Jets do this trade or not after the trade is made, and then we'll just kind of see the results. Anyways, that's just something that we can maybe get into as we get closer to the trade deadline. And so now, how should the Winnipeg Jets try and exploit Edmonton? Shirelli's gone. There is now an interim GM... 
It probably was, it would have been easier to exploit right, exactly. while Shirelli was so there. So I think the exploiting is done. And I think one of the problems is uh, Peter Shirelli, the further he got down, the more he's trying to make up for it. And you talk about digging yourself a deeper hole. I think that's exactly it. Because you have less patience. Exactly. So you're trying to make these moves to save your job and it ends up just hurting the team in the long run. And I think you saw that a lot with Peter Shirelli, uh, specifically looking at the Koskinen signing that one earlier makes, this week. Like Talbot doesn't seem like a bad goalie. And it's like... It's just an awful deal from from every part of it. Um, no movement clauses, four and a half million for a backup goalie with almost no experience. Even if he is going to be your number one going forward, why do it in the middle of the season? Well, they're looking to potentially trade Talbot, I guess. I but guess. Still, um, I was looking at the Edmonton Oilers roster. It's not good. Um, they I could, did. I was too. They could definitely serve to, to find a few contracts like the Winnipeg Jets have. Uh, what I mean by that is they need a guy like Ben Sherratt making only $1.4 million. They need a guy like Joe Morrow only making $1 million. Both of those are capable third-pairing defensemen in the NHL. That's what the that's what the Edmonton Oilers need for a, a good, cheap option because right now they don't have that. Well, I all, think, all their defense are between 2 to $3 or more. I think they have a lot of average defensemen that would be third-pairing defensemen on the Jets. I feel they but have those guys already. But they're getting paid twice already. as much as the Jets defensemen. But it doesn't matter. Let's not. doesn't matter what you're getting paid right now. Well, it does. You need it, guys it, to be able to play. But but Edmonton's cap space is $50,000. Which is ridiculous when you're not like you're on a bubble team, but you're spending to the cap. So that's why I'm saying issues. you need cap relief. That's the biggest thing because Edmonton is in a position where they have to make deals to shed cap. But as soon as you're shedding cap, you're giving up more assets to shed that cap. Think of Armia going with Mason to Montreal last year. Why did the Jets do that? To get rid of Mason's salary. So you have to ship out extra assets to get rid of your terrible salary. If you're trying to move Lucic, good luck unless you're parting with a good asset. You know, like multiple good assets. The problem is you don't have an asset to give because you've wasted all of them. You need to start building those assets. That's the problem. Okay, so I kind of broke this down. There's two untouchables that you want to build around. McDavid, Dreisaitl, right? Yep, easily. Literally anybody else on that team you can trade. Like, if you're really wanting to start over, because I think they kind of need to, and I don't think it's too late to start over with Connor McDavid. You can definitely rebuild in two years and still have McDavid in his prime and be a decent hockey team. Agreed? Oh, totally. So then that means you've got players with some value. Nugent Hopkins... Pui Yarvi, uh, Yamamoto on the back end. I, I still think Nurse, Larson, Clefbaum all have value. And Talbot in net, I think, can bring you something. What? I don't know. But I think he's making around $4 million as well. And so now you've got two goaltenders making $4 million plus each. So you're spending $8 million on two goaltenders who aren't getting the job done. So if you're the Winnipeg Jets, is there anybody on that list... That kind of jumps out at you. Because I'm not even including anybody else in this list. Because anybody else in the lineup, I don't think the Jets want. Looking at that, anybody jump out? To be honest, not really. I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are going to part with a guy like Nurse, Larson, or Clefbaum. Because I think the Winnipeg Jets could use an upgrade at left D, potentially to take Sherratt's spot. But I don't think they're going to get Nurse. You're not. Not for the value you want to pay. And I think that's the problem. Which is why I don't think there's really a trade to be had between the two. If you want to bring in a guy like Puyarvi, could he flourish in Winnipeg? Oh, guaranteed. I think he could be great in Winnipeg. A guy like Yamamoto as well, could he be great in Winnipeg? Probably a lot better than he's playing right now. 
Right, because Yamamoto is kind of a bubble player, but, even in Edmonton. But I think the issue now is that Edmonton is going to be even more careful about their deals. Any deals they're making, they want to increase the value of their assets, right? They don't want to be losing any value with anything because they're they're thin on value across the board. So any deal they're making, if they're trading Nugent Hopkins, they want multiple pieces of real value in return. Exactly, because right now they've got one piece of medium And the problem value. is if you trade Nugent Hopkins, now there's your second best center gone. Well, how, and how do you, does that help you? But here's the thing. How do you increase value? You have to have somebody come in and exceed what they were doing in their previous market. And so that's what they were trying to do with Strom. They brought him in. He didn't really work with McDavid, so his value didn't increase. Right. So I, and so if you bring a player into a losing team, how do you then get his value to increase? You might... The best way... Is with Thinking draft outside picks. the box is with draft picks. Developing your players yourself. That's the best way to get value. Because, because it's, it's it's something for free, right? Exactly. Because a draft pick right now, like a number one overall draft pick has a certain value. Because And I know uh, Garrett Hole uh, did some research on the likelihood of a first round pick turning into whatever. And so like, let's say it's set at a second line player for a first round pick. But if that first round pick then turns into a first line player or a superstar, well then you get more value than that pick. But if the pick turns into a fourth liner or below, well then you've lost value for that asset. So the only way to truly, I think, easily gain in a sense is by drafting well with picks that you acquire via trade. I totally agree. And I think it's not even just the drafting. I think it's more of the development after they get drafted. So it's getting these guys incorporated in the systems and the team, helping their development, training these guys, making them get better. And I think that's one of the things that Winnipeg Jets excel at. All these draft picks are now Winnipeg Jets players. Why? Because they develop the players well. They have their relationship with them. They have guys to help them along in their in their journey to the NHL. And I think that that's huge for a team. And I think that's where the Oilers are going wrong. Is they don't have any of those things in place. I mean, they probably do. It's obviously just failing that the guys coming from the first round, second round, third round are just not being productive at the NHL level. So I think it's potentially more of a development thing than a pure scouting drafting thing. And so now I guess just for them, it's kind of the wait and see if they can fix this and right the ship. Again, not really our concern. I know I'm happy here in Winnipeg with our team. And so based on that... Other than maybe Nugent Hopkins could be a second line center, would you would you see him as a guy the Jets pick up as a rental? He's not really a rental based on his contract. Though. No, and that's I think the issue. Nugent Hopkins is a very intriguing fit on the second line. It could be really good for Winnipeg. The problem is you don't want that contract for a number of seasons down the road. Yeah. Especially next year, I think it's going to get even worse. Two or, two or three years down the road, the Winnipeg Jets are, already have very little to play with for cap space. Um, specifically, you can't have Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins and Brian Little on the same team. No, it, I don't think so. I think they're too they're similar. Too similar, getting paid too much. Yeah, and so I think if I was Winnipeg Jets, I would be targeting Pooley Yarvey just because he has been kind of underperforming. The Jets have had some success with some Finns. <laughs> Obviously, Patrick Laine. Could you imagine Laine and Puliyarvi on the same team? All of a sudden, just getting some chemistry. Maybe that's the missing winger the Jets need on the same line with Patrick Laine. Could you imagine those? It would two? be fun to be honest. It would I be a blast. would love that. And then with Veselainen, oh man. We've just got all the fantastic fins here over the last couple of years. I think that would be excellent. I just don't think the Jets have the assets or want to give them up right now in order to get a player like Pooley-RV. Maybe in the offseason, maybe something can be worked out potentially down the road. But I think where the Jets are right now, you don't really want to mess with things too much. 
a center or a left shot D is what you want. I don't think you can get that from Edmonton, and so I think uh, right now is not the time to trade with the Oilers. Is there anything else you wanted to add today, Kyle? No, it's pretty much it. Just be glad you're not an Oilers fan. Exactly. Well, glad- unless you're rejoicing in these times, which is very possible. Um- it's true. When you're at the bottom, there's only one way to go. Uh, but again, they're not at the bottom. They're on the bubble, and they're just outside of a playoff spot, although they're going to be pretty tough uh, to win down the stretch. But of course, anything can happen. Well, that does it for the Jets Nation podcast today. Talking a lot about the Oilers, a lot about the All-Star Games, so not actually focusing too much on the Jets. If you want us to hit up any topic, let us know at Jets N Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.